Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. Well, good morning, Res. It is good to be with you today. You need to know that in first service this morning, the Lord's Spirit came and visited with us in a beautiful way, and we trust that the Lord will continue to guide and speak in this service. Uh, I'm honored to get to come and preach today. I have just been preaching every weekend, but I tell you, man, every time I preach uh, in the world we live in, it's such a joy to bring you the word of the Lord. Uh, It's a joy to be able to present to you what God's truths are. We live in a world that is void of a lot of truth. And today I get to share with you something that I believe can touch your life. I'm speaking tonight as well. And so one of the things I'm praying is this. During the course of this day, whether you're here just this morning, you come back tonight, whatever you choose to do, I'm praying that the Lord will just move you closer to him. That this topic I'm going to talk about today that is not recognized and talked about a lot in our world I'm praying that you will analyze and look at your own life and by the wooing of the spirit of the Lord, by his power and his presence, that you will say to yourself, I want to grow in that area of my life today because I'm going to talk to you about humility, being humble. You just don't see a lot of it in our world these days. The focus in our world is on me and what I want and what I'm about and who I am. And you need to know the word of God, the word that I'm preaching to you today is just the opposite of that. This word teaches us to not be about ourselves. Jesus, our savior who came, his whole life was spent exhausting himself so that we might have eternal life. And God's word teaches us whoever will humble themselves, he will exalt I just challenge you to think for a moment all the posts you've seen this week, all the people who are running for office this week, all the people who you've heard or talked about this week. How often did one of them say, I'm not sure I'm right. You know, probably somebody else could speak into this better than me. Mm -mm. No, the world says, I'm right. I've got it figured out. Like my posts are you're a loser. And I want to show you the opposite of that from God's word today. And I'm going to tell you a story that when I say this is the story, I'm going to tell you from God's word and it's about humility. Your first thought is going to be, that story is not about humility, but I'm going to prove to you it is. The story is the story of David and Goliath, really. I mean, Daniel preached on that not too long ago. When you think of that story, you think of this incredible battle. Just so you know, there were seven seven major battles that happened between the Philistines and the Israelites. This one happens to be the most famous one. And I'm gonna give you a little Cliff Notes version of this story because I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on it. If you don't know the story, go to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17 in God's word and read 17, 18. You can read the whole story. I read it this morning before I drove over here. So here's a story about this 
young boy who's out tending sheep and there's this battle going on between the Philistines and the Israelites and his dad sends him with some cheese and the bread to give to his brothers. So pretty simple story. The battles in that day were a little different. Let's imagine this is the Israelite side. They would line up for battle and the other side would line up over there, the Valley of Elah, a little valley between them. And one person from this side would yell, who wants to fight? And you fight me. And if you lose or I lose, we'll serve each other. It was a weird way of fighting. So for 40 days, that's what happened. These two sides lined up. So you can imagine why David needed to go with some bread and cheese because all they do is twice a day line up and shout that back and forth and nobody actually falls. So then they go back in the trenches and eat. So they needed cheese, needed bread. So David gets sent by his dad. And when you hear this story normally, you hear about this little kid. He was 15, so a teenager probably. And he gets sent out to the battle line. He arrives on the scene when they happen to be lining up for battle. That's kind of how it went down. Very simple story. When we talk about this story in our world, we usually use it in an analogy in sports. The little David is playing the big Goliath. In fact, if you follow the NCAA basketball tournament, that's one of the best places you hear this story. People will say, oh, the big Goliath team and the little David team is going to try to beat them. We turn it into a competition story. It's not a competition story. We turn it into a motivational speech. A lot of coaches, now we're going to do it. We're David, but we're going to take down Goliath. This isn't a motivational speech. We've turned it into that. But this story is about one thing. It's about God's power and his omnipotence and how he can use a humble person if they will surrender their life to him. That's what this story's about. God's power, man's humility. So today I'm going to ask you, are you humble? At the end of this message, I'm gonna give you five takeaways for yourself. Before I do that, I'm gonna tell you five things about this young man who went and got in line and said, well, what's going on here? And he arrives and they begin to tell him what's happening. Well, we're lining up because we yell at each other. And as Daniel, as, as Daniel, listen to me, as it's you, Daniel, as, da, as he, David lined up, Goliath is over here and he steps out and he yells his normal junk. Anybody want to fight me? He was a monster. He was nine feet tall. This morning, I, I'd love to have Shaq with me and have Shaq walk out on stage because he would just look, and, and Goliath would tire, tower over Shaq like Shaq would tower over me. He was huge. And he yells out, who over there wants to fight? And he defied the God of the Israelites. That right there was where he crossed the line. See, a young kid over there that was 15 heard this Philistine. I know he's a monster, and everybody ran every time he yelled it. For 40 days, the Israelites ran and said, no, we're not going to fight him. And on this 40th day, when David heard Goliath rip God and say, I defy your God, that was all it took for him. And he says to Saul, I'll fight him. I'll go over there and battle with him. Even his brothers didn't believe in him, didn't want him to do it. And he said, I'll do it. And of course, you know, they tried to dress him up and he couldn't wear the clothes that were too heavy. And so he, he simply 
He simply took his little sling and I brought one with me. This is an actual sling. This is what David would have used. I, I used this a lot as a kid growing up in the Carolinas. I used to actually hunt with my grandfather with this. I never got anything, but I used to try. This is all he had. I actually have a little rock here. I have a stone. I asked somebody who went to the Valley of Eli where this battle occurred to get me a little stone. And so they snuck it to me. And so I have a little stone from the Valley of Eli. This is actually what David would have had. He would have walked out against a mighty Goliath. And this is all he had. If this were to occur on the stage this morning, if a nine foot giant walked out here and I said, I got him, I'll take care of him. You would think, what are you even thinking? This shows that only God can do what's about to happen. It's only through his power. And the reason he used David is because of five little things I want to tell you. I want you to look at him closely with me. The first one is this. David was a humble servant, a little shepherd. Everybody else, if this is the line of the Israelites, everybody in this line was above rank compared to him. He was the least of the least. He was the one that if we were to bring up on stage today, all of us would go, who wants this one? Nobody would vote for him. He, did, he wasn't important. He didn't even matter in his own household other than he watched a few sheep. He wasn't even sent out to the battle originally. He just happened to show up there. Do you know... Do you know that God looks for those kind of people to do his work? In our world, we don't do that. In our world, we need the most qualified, the most dignified, the most rankified, the most monified, and we want those people on our team. David would not have fit into that story. And I want you to know, looking down today, right into this this sanctuary and even online, God looks right in here. Somebody in here right now is going, I'm not important. I, I don't matter. And God says, I can use you. Somebody else in here is saying, I am pretty important. I mean, after all, I do run a pretty big business. All right, I do own a lot of stuff. You need to know, it's really dangerous turf. Life can really quickly start to become about you. This, this is a simple message. I realize I'm not saying anything that you go, now I've never heard that. But you know what? In the world we live in, I honestly feel like I could preach this message almost every week. Because we need to be reminded life is not about us. So easy to get that out of focus in the world we live in because, well, shoot, if they're getting attention, then maybe I should get attention for my need or I should get attention for me. All of a sudden it becomes me, I, my. And David was just humble. I read the story again this morning. Not one time in the story, point number two, not one time did he ever make the story about himself. Not one time did David say, you know what? I'm pretty good with a sling. Not one time did he say, I got three brothers here. Our family, we got some rank. He never, ever. Never made the story about himself. He only made the story about God. 
He only made the story about God's power and anything that he could do, he gave all the glory to the Lord. Now, later in his life, that changed. If you know the life of David, later in life, it started to become about him. And I can show you, if you want to say, here was David, humble servant. God was using him, exalting him, letting his life make a difference. Then David started thinking about his own self and what he wanted. You got to understand, and I'll share a personal story about my own life in this area in just a minute. But if you start making your story about you, you've fallen into the trap that the world wants you to fall into. It's not about you. Very hard to understand this. And a good way to check that is number three about David. He gave God all the glory for everything he accomplished. So in Daniel chapter 17, I think it's verse 37, Daniel, is, David, I keep saying Daniel, I don't know why. David, if I say Daniel, forgive me, I mean David. David is, is there with his brothers and he's talking and he says to the King Saul, let me go do it, I can fight him. And, and, and King Saul's like, you, you aren't big enough. You ain't got the goods, man. You don't have the talent. How long? He's been training since he's a, a kid. How long you been training to fight? None. He said, but I'll tell you this, I had a bear and I had a lion come out, and I killed them both with my hands. And the same God that delivered me in that moment is the God who will deliver me in this moment. He gave all the praise, all the glory to God. He did not say, y'all should have seen me one time, man. This bear came out of the woods. I grabbed him by the tail. He didn't say that. He said, I was able to do what I did because of God's power. And I'm telling you today, Anything that you accomplish in your life, can I tell you something about it? Give God the praise. Don't start thinking it's about your talents and abilities because you wouldn't even have those if it weren't for him. Give God the praise. You know, sometimes at my office or in life, I notice it catches people off guard too. I will, I will quite often be with people and there will be somebody in the group that I'm in who's not even a believer and something will happen, I'll say, hey guys, hey, let's just stop right now and pray and praise the Lord. And it's almost just look like, what, what are we doing here? I wanna always live recognizing that when something happens that, that is a blessing and accomplishment, it's not because of me, it's because of Jesus. Live that way. Teens in here, you do not hear this message. I know you don't. I know you hear it when Pastor Daniel, Pastor Dwayne's preaching. But in general, you do not hear this message. You hear a message that's about your accolades and your talents and your abilities. I get it. But that battle belongs to the Lord. We sang it in the first song. And I'll tell you, the victory is also his. Do not succumb to the pressure of this world telling you, you are it. You are not it. God is it. Live understanding that you must praise his name. The fourth little thing about David is this. He did not try to fill his life with man-made things. In verse 45, they're over here trying to shackle him up with all the things that he needs to wear to be able to go into this battle. They're putting it all on him. They're loading him up. And the Bible says he couldn't even walk around. He couldn't even walk around. 
So he said, I can't do this. This is not working for me. I need to lay aside these man-made things and I need to rely on only on the power and the spirit of the Lord. And when I tell you he laid all that stuff down to pick up this little sling, that had to be the Lord. Because there's no way that little sling's gonna accomplish the great task ahead of him. So today, with your inabilities, with your lack of talent, without accomplishing the great things this world says you have to accomplish to be successful, what's God want to do with you? What today might he be calling you to in life? Can I say something here? In this world we live in, we need people who are totally sold out to God and just go live that way. Don't need to, you don't need to be proclaiming all the time that you're doing it. Just go out and live for Jesus in such a way that people go, something different about them. You're, you're humble. You're not about yourself. You, you don't seem to just be doing it the way the world always says you have to do it. Right. It can be a lonely life. I'm not going to stand up here and say to you, go live this way. It's so fun. No, it's lonely. I can promise you that when David stepped out of the ranks and he said, I'm going to go fight this Philistine, I promise you there had to be people on this side going, get ready to run. This is not going to be pretty. He, he's not going to be, I'm sure his brothers are going, he can't win this. This is foolish. You're going to have people who look at you and go, you can't do that. When I first was called to be a pastor, I cannot tell you how many people. I'm thinking of their faces right now in my mind. You can't speak. So that's what I was told. You can't speak. You don't know how to do that, right? You, you don't know what you're doing, right? My brother was six years older. He was, um, he's a prolific speaker. He was already a pastor. And I remember people saying, you'll, you'll never be like your brother, right? Right, right. Well, you'll never be, I, I know. So if you're sitting here today going, I can't do anything, right. You're the perfect position for God to use you. So we were just back in the green room talking. Daniel and I were talking about how easy it is in our world so you have that humble spirit that says, I can't do it. Then you get elevated to another position. Let me just kind of, you know, you get, oh, oh, I'm over here now. Oh, oh, I, I, I'm not over there at the edge. I'm moving out. And then you get moved a little, oh, I'm a little more in the center of the lights. And you know what? Start, you, let, let me show you what suddenly started happening. Even in the Christian world, you go from out here I'm a nobody. I, I just want to be used by God. And all of a sudden, as you move this way more, as you get in the spotlight more, I want to show you something that happens in the Christian world. You start getting. And then all of a sudden, you start believing that crap. And you start thinking, well, I guess I am somebody. I mean, look at me. I'm pretty amazing. You start walking weird. It's subtle, and the enemy loves to use it. 
And y'all, y'all need to know, like, I know you don't really know me. You know you see me preach. Some of you may know me a bit, but, you know, I walk up here and there's incredibly hot, high, and they're not hot anymore. Thank God for LED. These lights are incredibly bright. It used to be hot, now they're just bright. And, you know, you see me out in there and it's just like, oh, that's Dan Seaborn. I, w- I want y'all just to know, and you can ask my wife, you can ask anybody who knows me, et cetera. I'm just, I'm just this little kid from South Carolina who God chose to use, grew up in a cornfield, and here I am preaching to, to thousands of people. I don't know how this happened, and I don't need any praise for it, and I want to stay as humble as I can, and, and I... I don't do it all right. I mess up. I say things wrong sometimes. But I just want to be used by God and I want to be a humble servant. And I'm not telling I'm not telling y'all that for you to think I'm somebody. I'm just saying if you ever get these kind of positions, if the Lord ever puts you in this place, just don't be about yourself. I mean, one of the, my dad told me something before he passed on way back. It bothered me at the time, but I remember him saying, Dan, don't get caught up in yourself because when you leave those churches you're pastoring at, they'll forget your name. And I remember go, no, they won't. They'll remember me. There's a church I go back to every now and then. I walk in. I walk into the place. I walk in the church and people go, oh, are you a guest here today? What? I used to preach here. They don't have any idea who I am. Isn't that so good? Isn't that so good? There's only one name that's going to last according to God's word, and that's the name of Jesus. And anything that happens in your life that puts you in a place where you start to think you're somebody, you better get that out of your life. Listen to me. Listen to me. Success can become one of the most destructive paths you take. Success can become one of the most destructive paths you take. David never lost his way on that path in this story. Fifth thing about David that I love is he was not distracted from his purpose or his calling. Now, I just want to, I want to ask you an honest question. How many of you, if you'd shown up in the Israelite line and people would have begun to go, you can't do this. You aren't good enough. You're not going to be able to do it. How many of you would have said, you know, you're right. I'll just get back in line. And, and in this situation, his oldest brother, Eliab, okay, his oldest brother was there in line. When he sees David, he started getting mad at David. And look what he says to him. Why are you here? Anybody here have a family member that says that to you? Why are you here? looking for glory. And then notice the line he says to him. David is just standing there asking questions about what's about the, what's going on here. I just showed up. I'm trying to figure out what's going on. His oldest brother, why are you here? Secondly, he says to him, what'd you do with those, watch the word he throws in there. He didn't say, what'd you do with those sheep you're watching? He said, what, what'd you do with those few sheep you're watching? Few. You're nobody. You're not even a normal shepherd. You just got a few sheep. What you got? Three? One? And then third, his brother said to him, we all know how conceited you are. I want to tell you something right here, okay? Many times when somebody accuses you of something, it's because they struggle with it. Eliab was conceited. 
And he tried to point that on to his brother who was not conceited. I say this to you today because somebody in here deals with a family member who puts stuff on you. Why would you try to do that to the family? I'm actually trying to help my family. I'm fighting for my, no, you are not. I love scripture doesn't hide this kind of stuff because David is fighting with an older brother right here before he even goes to battle over here. And watch what David, David doesn't fight this battle. The Bible says that David looked at him and went, yeah, okay, turned away from him. I talked to somebody else. I love that. Don't spend your whole life being distracted by people around you who might not believe in what you're doing. Don't, don't, don't spend your life fighting this battle. Your battle's over there and it belongs to the Lord. That's what he's calling you to do. Get over there. Don't spend your time over here because you got people in your family or people in your life. They want to keep you over here battling. Well, I, I think I'm, I think I'm good enough to fight. No, you, well, I think we aren't even fighting the real battle. We're over here fighting the little sub battle. So ridiculous. These are the battles, look, you need to learn to walk away from. I'm really getting better at this in my life. I get these kind of battles thrown at me all the time. Recently, I went somewhere to preach, and I had preached my heart out. The Lord had blessed it. It was in another state. I got home. I had, I think it was a seven-page letter from one of the pastors telling me everything I did wrong. When you got up to preach, he, he, at one point, you said there was something you read from your Bible, but you didn't actually have your Bible up in your hand. You weren't actually reading it. You said you were reading it, but you weren't even holding it. You were just quoting scripture. Oh, my goodness gracious. I'm not going to fight this battle, dude. I'm over here trying to lead people to Jesus. You want to fight over that nonsense? Have a ball. I'm out. I didn't respond. I'm not going to respond. If you send me a hateful letter today, likely it will be shredded. I don't have time for that battle. Listen to me. Satan loves distractions. If he can keep you distracted, you never even get in the game. You never even actually go to fight the battle he's called you to because he's over here telling you, well, no, you got this and you don't have, and you got the, oh, and look what you messed up here. You didn't, oh yeah, your, your shirt's too tight. Your pants are too tight. Your shoes are too long. Your nose is too big. Ah, oh, whatever it is. <laughs> David did not give up. Turned from his brother, went to the battle. You know, the Bible doesn't talk about it, but what do you think those three brothers were thinking when they watched David take that giant down? What do you think? What do you think? You think they were happy or you think they were jealous? Jealous. Because he's going to go back and tell his dad, hey, dad, I took that cheese over there. You won't believe what happened. I actually won the battle. <laughs> What'd you do, smear them with cheese? No, it's even crazier. Took out my sling, popped him in the head, freaking fell on the ground, cut his head off, walked around with it. <laughs> Crazy. And funny part of that story is that you know David had to be a teenager. Who else walks around with somebody's head in their hand? <laughs> so I want to give you five takeaways, very simple, for you to go and live out today. Very simple. The first one is this. 
wherever God has you this morning, those of you watching online, wherever God has you this morning, those of you here in the service, live humble right there. Somebody in here right now is discontent with your life. I, this position is beneath me. Be humble right there. Well, what if David had said, I'm not going to be a shepherd. I'm not going to watch these few sheep. Give me a hundred sheep, I'll do it. It never says anything about David struggling with the place God had him. And there are, mm, 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 mm. How many people in our world right now don't even want to work because the job is beneath them? If you will accept where God has you right now in life and say, I'm going to live humble right here, it reminds me of Joseph, David, Daniel. When I think of all these people, they just humbly accepted the place God had them. That's not our world, is it? Our world says, I deserve more than this. I have my rights. Yeah, okay. Okay. But I promise you this morning, so my mind is being flooded with thoughts right now. I'm trying to figure out which one is to share. Because I'm, I'm watching so many people live so prideful in our world and they're, they're not humble at all. There's no humility in them at all. And I'm telling you, the Bible speaks very clearly. It's not about you. And if you, somebody in here, just, just hear me. If you would accept where the Lord has you today and you say, Lord, I'm going to humbly leave this place this morning and I'm going to serve you in this spot. It feels belief beneath me. It feels below me. It feels like I'm better than this. But if this is what you have for me, Lord, I'm going to seek contentment in this spot and I'm going to give you glory and honor for giving me this spot and I'm going to let you use it to, to bring my life to a closer place with you. If that happens, if the Lord can do that in your heart today, you will live a different life. The first time I preached, two people came. I remember walking outside the little door. I was about to preach in this room and I was excited and I was fired up and it's like, I'm going to give my first sermon. And two, two people came. And I walked outside the door and I remember I was talking to the Lord. I was probably 29, 30 years old. And I was walking outside the door. I'm like, Lord, more people than this should have showed up. And this is not many. And I felt like the Lord said to my spirit, you go in there and you rock this sermon out. You preach like you're preaching to 20,000. I went in there. I'd love to have a video that day. It was a small room and I was ranting and raving and yelling. I remember those people sit back against the wall like, what hit this room? I gave it everything I had and I prayed for them to receive Jesus. And I remember finishing going, hmm, audience size doesn't matter. You know what's really funny is the Lord's took me full, full circle on that. Um, I, I, I've loved being here this morning, but probably when I preach to 100 or less now, it's probably where I find the most joy. It's crazy. It's like the Lord has taken that self out of me. And, and I got to tell you, all there's a lot of self in me. 
my time's up, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish these five little points because uh, I want to I make a very personal story about myself because I need to humble myself before you today and show you that I needed to be humbled to be able to even preach this message this morning to bring honor and glory to the Lord. You got to see that. Second point, make sure your life story is about God and not about you. I'll break these down a little more tonight. Number three, don't allow people, especially family members, to distract you. Number four, and this is where I want to take a moment, stop seeing man-made accomplishments and accolades as the pinnacle of life. Okay? Stop seeing the world's touch and blessing and trophies as the pinnacle. Stop seeing that. So I became a pastor. I go to Central Westland Church over in Highland, Michigan. I come there as a 31, 32-year-old. Me and my family's there. I had not got much recognition in this world. I grew up, you know, my brother was always smarter and every still he's brilliant. And I always craved just to be top, to be good enough, to be okay. I go to Central, I pastored there many years, and one of the things I started watching, oh, and I'm gonna tell y'all, it started messing with me. When a person would leave there, when they would retire from there, when they would get done with there, they, they would throw a party for that person. The screens would have their picture. They'd tell all the things they accomplished. They would get, kill the fatted calf. I watched, I went, oh man, someday they're gonna do that for me. Seriously, craved it. Because of some circumstances, all good, nothing negative. Um, I left Central Wesleyan as a pastor. I was not, I'm there no more. I still preach there every now and then, but I never, and I never got, listen, listen, I never got the farewell party, never. And I remember sitting in my office one day, not there, left there. Man, Lord, I didn't get the farewell party. And see, I'd craved that, see, my whole life. And I'm going, what? I know I didn't get the farewell party. And I remember the Lord just laying on my heart very clearly. Why do you need all that praise? What is it about you that can't just say, to God be the glory? Why do you need to bring the glory down and you get it? You need to surrender that, Dan. Hmm. I did. I have sought to surrender it fully. I tell you that because I stand up here as a man who the Lord has humbled. My family broke apart. We went through trials. You know that. I've shared that story. I don't have a perfect life. I have things that cause me a lot of pain. And I'm good because I'm God's kid. And I tell you today, it was through the humbling that I learned to do what we sang earlier. It's easy to trust in Jesus when things are going the way I like. All my money safely in the bank and my kids are out flying a kite. It's, I'm just making this up. But the point is, it's so easy to trust in Jesus when it's good. But how about, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus when you don't know how you're going to make it through. 
car breaks down, can't afford gas anyway. It's okay, he'll see me through. I mean, maybe, maybe it's just I needed to sing a different tune. I always sang songs about myself because I craved somebody making me feel valuable. But now that I've reached the age of 61 and life has beat the out of me, I understand that it's all going to be okay because the battle belongs to him anyway. And all the time I spent over here in line trying to figure out if I was good enough, the whole time he was going, I've already decided you're good enough. Come over here and let me fight the battle with you. Let me take care of your situation. And today, whatever your Goliath is, I want to tell you, it's the Lord's too. And he'll be with you and he'll give you the strength to handle it. So I just challenge you. I just challenge you to ask yourself the question, am I humble? I mean, if God was looking down the line today and picked one, would he pick me? Am I living in such a way that he sees it's not about me? That's my prayer this morning. And if you're here and don't know Jesus, you've never received him, it takes humility to receive him because you kind of give up yourself. And I invite you to do that. Lord, this morning, let David's example be one that we take and apply to our lives. His humility, his surrenderedness. Lord, um, I confess it's easy sometimes to let the battles become ours and we want to get our hands all over it. And if you just do what we pray, then everything would work out great. (laughs) That's not how it works. We have to trust you completely because you are God overall. We love you this morning. I give you those who have been a part of this service. May they humbly leave here more desiring to just let you fight their battle. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day, and we will see you again soon.